The following is a pre-recorded program. My guest today and I have a lot that we disagree on, but we are absolutely passionate when it comes to the subject of kids being transitioned. It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, biblical scholar and cultural commentator, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice for moral sanity and spiritual clarity. Call 866-34-TRUTH to get on The Line of Fire. And now, here's your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Hey friends, this is Michael Brown, and I don't know that I've had a more unique guest on the air in all the years of doing the Line of Fire broadcast. And this is going to be a tremendous eye-opener. My guest and I can spend hours and hours and hours airing our differences about the Bible, about God, about sexual morality, about homosexuality, about transgender issues for adults, etc. But there's something that unites us together. And I want to read the beginning of an article. This came out February 9th of 2021. So over a year ago now, we need balance when it comes to gender dysphoric kids, I would know. And the author is Scott Nugent, who I've gotten to know as Kelly. And this is is what Kelly writes. I am a 48-year-old transgender man. I was thrilled when the medical community told me six years ago that I could change from a woman to a man. I was informed about all the wonderful things that would happen due to medical transition, but all the negatives were glossed over. Since then, I've suffered tremendously, including seven surgeries, a pulmonary embolism, an induced stress heart attack, sepsis, a 17-month recurring infection, 16 rounds of antibiotics, three weeks of daily IV antibiotics, arm reconstructive surgery, lung, heart, and bladder damage, insomnia, hallucinations, PTSD, $1 million in medical expenses, and loss of home, car, career, and marriage, all this, and yet I cannot sue the surgeon responsible, in part because there is no structured, tested, or widely accepted baseline for transgender health care. And this is what has made my guests so absolutely passionate about the subject of transitioning kids. So we've been joking, hey, just a reminder, no profanity on the air. And then for me, the request was no speaking in tongues. So we've been joking about our many, many differences. But in point of fact, I don't know a more passionate voice on the planet today than the voice of this individual, most known as Scott, I've known as Kelly. And and I I want to give maximum time to just ask a few questions and and let my guests speak with absolute freedom. So thanks so much for taking time to join me on the air today. Hey, Michael, no problem. I I got my button, by the way. Oh, okay. All right, that's the anti-profanity button or the anti-tongues button. Every time I get all riled up and I want to cuss, I'm just going to push that. Okay, okay, great. So (laughs) here's what happened. You ended your article. I mean, you list, it's medically documented. I understand it took you two years to get someone in in mainstream media to publish your story. And you document, especially the dangers with kids. It's, It's irrefutable scientifically. But at the end, you say, look, I'll join with anyone. You say evangelicals, left, right for this cause. So I reached out to you. We then dialogue past our differences to our areas of commonality. So first, your own experience, you detailed it there, but but paint a, a broader picture of what you have lived through and how little warning you were given about what you were getting into. Sure. Um, you know, in that article, I did say at the end, everybody needs to come together. And I can explain why we need to for kids. But uh, you didn't say that when you first reached out to me, I kind of told you to go pound sand, remember? Yeah, yeah. Well, initially and, you uh, said great, and then you found out who I was, and then you told me to go pound sand. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, but it, it weighed on me for a couple of days, and I'm like, how can I write an article like that 
And then the first person that reaches out to me, I say, yeah, forget you. So, you know, that was kind of our, our, our starting. It's, it's hard, right? It, you and I don't agree on a lot of things, but I think that, you know, our friendship over the last year, we've realized that we do actually mm-hmm. agree on, on quite a few things, but um, some pretty important things we don't. But you're right. We need, we need to separate this. We need to separate um, our differences for kids. Uh, the separation of the communities is the reason why we're medically transitioning kids. You know, I, I talk to politicians all the time that, that try to, one community tries to bring it up, but when one community brings up to not medically transition kids, there's too many holes for that bigot word to get circled around. Mm. And unfortunately, as soon as bigot comes in into the, the scope, and as soon as there's a Christian or as soon as there's a conservative, nobody listens. So that's what's happening. The only people that are talking about medically transitioning kids are people like you um, and you know, other right-wing or, or conservative people. And it's weird in our society that you, we can't just go, hey, I don't agree with Michael on this, but on this one, I do. Uh, mm-hmm. So it, it doesn't matter if you're right or wrong. And, and unfortunately, you're right this time. Nobody's listening, though. Yeah, and, and who's suffering? The kids. The kids. And, and look, there's, we all recognize a common humanity and shared values and, you know, when there's a, a famine or a tsunami or a crisis in another part of the world, we don't, we don't ask first whether they're Muslims or they're atheists or they're Christians. No, those are people suffering and we come together. So this is one of these common humanity issues where, where we do come together. And as we've gotten to know each other, I mean, you reached out to me after my wife and I had COVID, checking to see how we were doing. I've asked about your health. So, so we care about each other as fellow human beings, which is what I've always said. We can have our differences, but we want to love our neighbors ourselves. When it comes to the kids, it's, it's outrageous. It's immoral yeah. what's going on. And like I said, I, I don't know a more passionate voice that, than yours in bringing this forward. So just take a few minutes, though, to paint a picture of when you felt that transition was the right thing for you to do as an adult. How much warning were you given? How much explanation? Is this co- is, were you an outlier or is this common? No, I, I wasn't. It, my transition um, journey is actually very common. Uh, of course, we don't talk about this. We don't give people air that have had bad uh, transitions. But um, I transitioned solely because of, of uh, homophobia. I was didn't realize how homophobic I was. I was in a relationship with a uh, a woman that I, I married uh, that was a you know very very strict Catholic. And growing up, I never really fit in. Right, and a lot of kids feel like they don't fit in. But I had a whole bunch of co- comorbidities. Right attracted to girls. Um, you know, I was, I was skipped in, in levels. So there was kind of a, you know, gifted intellectual kind of thing going on. Um, on top of, I had other things that I had to deal with. So for me, I was a year and a half younger than everybody else in school. I I wasn't the same. I just did not connect with, with kids. And so growing up, I desperately wanted to fit in. Everybody wants to fit in. And when I first started thinking about this, I remember a, a conversation I had with my uncle when I was probably about nine years old. And he said, Kelly, what do you want for Christmas? And I said, well, I want to be a boy. And he looked at me and said, well, that can't happen. Do you want an Atari? I was like, yeah, yeah that'll do. Um, but the reason why so many girls are transitioning is because we are not talking about what happens in puberty. What, what happens in puberty with almost all girls is at some period of time, they're going to say to themselves, man, I wish it was a boy, man. I wish it was, you know, there's so many things that, that we still hold stringent on, on girls 
that every woman that walks the planet at one point or another has thought that, you know, I wish I was a man kind of a thing. Um, so that was always in the back of my head. Uh, and I was in business sales and I, you know, I never really looked like a, a butch lesbian. I mean, I went to finishing school twice because I failed. That was a great phone call from my grandmother. You failed. You got to do it again. Um, so I, I learned how to be a woman. I, I was never an overtly uh, butch woman. But again, very alpha. And so alpha females are not really appreciated. Um, and so I felt different as an adult, too. And when I started to see Jazz Jennings, uh, you know, I started watching her show and I and I saw Jenner and I saw these things It started clicking in the back of my mind. Well, maybe I am. And um, I I just kept running things in my head. Like Lynette would always say, you do that so much like a male. You're just you're, you're a male trapped in a female's body. Like, you know, womanhood is, is so confined. Um, and so I made an appointment uh, with a with a therapist happened to be a trans woman therapist. I felt you know, comfortable going there. And I'll never, ever, ever forget this because it's a pivotal time. The, one of the first things that she said to me was how long have you been dressing like a man? And I kind of looked down and I looked up. I mean, in hindsight, I had female slacks on. I had a, you know, slope blouse on. I had earrings on, you know, makeup. I, I mean, I, I wasn't in a, a tutu, you know, twirling around with pink, you know, flyers around around my head. But I, I wasn't wearing male attire, right? She was just trying to connect and maybe feel better about herself, right? Um, so I remember when she said that and I looked down and up and I felt so stupid that everybody else had known but me. It was like at that point, I was like, I was, I was, I was born in the wrong body. And then the fantasy came in, in, in after that, like, you know, Lynette's family will accept me if they don't know. And I just transitioned and, you know, I can live in, in society straight. So all this whole fantasy came in and this fantasy that, oh my God, you're going to fit. Um, it, it kind of projected into uh, medical transitioning. And then every doctor that I went to, I went to a, a gynecologist and, and he said to me, have you ever been tested for um, intersex? You have like a jaw or something like that. So every step of the way, we had medical people saying, yep, yep, yep. I, I went to another therapist that said to me, uh, well, you know, what's the difference in, in finishing your surgeries now or doing it in a year from now? I mean, you could be some kind of um, somebody that, that younger transgender people can, can look up to. And so everything was at all the authorities. In, in this, even though I was 40 years old, all the authorities told me there was something wrong with me. When mm. I accepted that, I was able to jump into this fantasy. And that fantasy is something that feeds and feeds and feeds and feeds and feeds until about seven to 10 years after medical transition. And then you get into what's called the trans uh, suicide itch, which is the seven to 10 year suicide itch that nobody talks about. The only long-term study tells us that you know, the whole BS of, you know, better in a live daughter than a, than a dead son is absolutely BS. There's only one long-term study that followed trans for 30 years from 1973 to 203. And they found exactly what every trans, older trans I've ever talked to is that it's a fantasy. It's a process. And one process leads to another. When I have start testosterone, I'll feel better. When I have my top surgery, I'll feel better. When I have this, I'll feel better. When people will stop, you know, using the wrong pronouns, when this will happen, when that'll happen, when that'll happen. And when you finish all of it, 
you kind of go, well, I didn't fix a thing. And so it's at that point, you kind of go, wow, I've got all these health issues. It didn't fix anything. And now I have to still fix everything on the inside. But now I have more problems. I fit even less. So that was my that was my journey. Uh, extraordinary. All right. I'm, I'm just going to jump in for a moment here. We, we've got a break. I, I appreciate your candor. And I know you've told your story a number of times publicly, even though you'd rather not, but you're shouting out so others will hear. And, and we want to focus in a minute uh, on the outrageous treatment of children and how kids who have no clue whatsoever what they're getting into are making disastrous lifetime choices and pushed by the medical profession and that. Okay, friends, you will be right back on the other side of the break. It's the Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get on the Line of Fire by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Hey, friends, I'm joined by a special guest, Scott Kelly Nugent, and I'm thrilled that she's taken time to join me on the air today, being so candid, being so open, and I can't imagine the level of flack coming her way coming out, not just coming on my program, but exposing a lot of myths in terms of transgender activism. This is somebody who does not just have personal experience, but has done massive research and is demolishing the arguments of other trans activists with truth and with science. So you mentioned in your Newsweek article, quote, there is no structured, tested, or widely accepted baseline for transgender healthcare not for 42-year-olds and not for the many minors embarking on medical transition in record numbers. It is not transphobic or discriminatory to discuss this. We as a society need to fully understand what we're encouraging our children to do to their bodies. So here you're speaking as an adult over the pain of what you've done and, and how you were not adequately informed. It comes to kids, it's far, far worse. But is this, I mean, proven science or, or is there experimentation going on? No, um, medical transition is experimental. The hormones are experimental. The puberty blockers are experimental. The surgeries are experimental. The only thing that's not experimental is, is top surgery. That's it. So I got sick after my, my bottom surgery. And, and I went to a doctor by the name of Dr. Curtis Crane, who moved to Texas. Now, Dr. Curtis Crane uh, had nine medical malpractice cases in the state of California, was banned from conducting surgery in San Francisco. I mean, if you read his 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 stuff, what he has done, we're not just talking about, hey, an extra infection. We're talking colostomy bags for life. I mean, we're talking some really serious stuff that this guy uh, did. Well, he goes to Texas uh, and Texas has a tort reform act, which means that you can't sue, or it's very hard to sue for experimental procedures. If an attorney or you know takes it on, they have to create that baseline if that's not there, and that's like a ten million dollar you know process to do. So when I got really sick, and when I had a seventeen month you know reoccurring bacteria infection, it was awful. I mean, I knew I was dying. I mm. knew I was, and and. And in, in, in the ER, I mean, the doctors either laughed when, you know, they left or, or nobody cared. And I, I couldn't think my whole logic in my brain when you have, you know, really bad uh, infections. I mean, you could have told me to rip out of a, a wet paper bag and I'd be like, I'm stuck. I can't do it. Um, 
so it was all these things combined um, where I, I spent 17 months with six inches of hair growing in the inside of my urethra. So think about it this way. You, you shave and you get like a little ingrown hair, right? Um, I had those all throughout my urethra. I was in pain. I mean, screaming pain. I've passed out from pain. I mean, I, I had a, a month long IV antibiotics that didn't clear it, but nobody knew what to do for me. And the only thing that I could do was go back to the surgeon that hurt me in the first place. Well, I wasn't going to go back to him because after I did some you know, research, I figured this guy is a, is, is a rainbow butcher. That's what I call him. I mean, and he's flying solo and he's gone you know, to Texas, which Texas is the new hub, by the way, uh, for transgender health, for wow. uh, transitioning children. And it's because of the Tort Reform Act. But let's go a little bit further. Abbott, your governor, his campaign is almost fully funded by gender clinics and gender surgeons. The scum of the earth, people that that were doing appendectomies for two and making $200,000 a year are now making millions because they just got a little sign that says plastic surgery. They know that nobody's going to sue them. They know that, you know, they're giving uh, money to your, your you know, evangelical Christians. You know, Abbott's supposed to be this, you know, wonderful Christian guy, right? Um, He's funded by transgender people. And that is the hub. That is the hub of transgender care. He threw off three or four, you know, medically transitioning kid bills, you know, just threw off the table like five days after he accepted $250,000 from a gender clinic and said, oh, you know what? We just need to, we need to love everybody. We need to accept everybody. Well, no, it's not that. It's because there's a financial turn to it. You guys need to hold people like this accountable. And then the next week, here he is trying to bring a, a, an abortion bill. So it's like, pick which side you want, dude. Um, so we have this experimental uh, procedure. I finally figured out what was wrong with me. Um, and it was, it was the worst part of my life was when they figured out what was wrong with me. I know that sounds terrible, but I had lost everything, right? everything. And I don't think people understand that. I mean, I've got four pairs of underwear uh, to my name. I can't go back into business sales because I'm too, I'm too on the internet. So I do a little, you know, small little job. I fund most of the stuff on my website. It's crazy. Um, but for me, I can't sit still knowing what's happening to these kids. And that's actually what saved me. What's, what's helping me come back, getting, you know, getting back to the person that I was, was when I started to see what they were doing with children and that 17 months that I was dying, I read everything you possibly can read on medical transition. And each level was a, Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Um, you know, talking about WPATH, which is uh, basically it's supposed to be the, the baseline for care for, for transgender people. Right. Mm -hmm. um, has never held up in a court of law anywhere in the world never there's no long-term studies we have no clue what puberty blockers are going to do to these kids but the people that that came up with puberty blockers lupron was sued in 2003 and deemed a criminal criminal enterprise by the u.s government they had to pay 874 million more than the company that that did the oxycontin they paid more than that but Somehow they can't they can't write a ten million dollar check to do studies on on uh, puberty blockers for kids. Well, hell no, they can't. They know if they did that, 
you know, puberty blockers for kids would stop altogether. It, no doctor at the end of that would go, yeah, that study, I'm going to sign that. So it's experimental. It's not approved by, by the FDA. We're seeing early onset osteoporosis, a 19-year-old. I read a 19-year-old's um, suicide note parents gave to me and basically said, mom, dad, why did you let me do this? I was just a gay boy. I, um, I, my dating pool is, is cut by 99%. I have early onset osteoporosis. I can't have kids. I'm ostracized on the outside. Now I'm in the wrong body. And he shot himself in the head. Well, where are those? Where are, are those, you know, news channels? And you're right. Every time I come on here, people are going to tear me up, tear me up. Feminists tear me up. Uh, evangelicals tear, tear me up. Trans tear me up. You know, gay people, everybody does. Well, here's here's the good part. I got nothing to lose and I really don't care. Um, so for me, it, it's about truth. It's the fact that puberty blockers are causing major, major problems uh, to kids. But nobody's talking about that because that's transphobic, right? It's transphobic. Um, there's just so many things that, that people really don't understand. Those puberty blockers, by the way, Michael, have an eight times higher profit margin than when those are prescribed to, to adults. That was that that medication was prescribed to adults that were dying, that were uh, going to die within a month or two to extend their life a little bit. It wasn't made to fix anything, you know? And so when they write that prescription to that child, an adult, the revenue generated is $4,400 for one child a year on it. It's $55,000 for a child compared to, a, to an adult, you know? So um, people, don't, people don't, don't know that. They don't know that once you, you do this to your body, I will be um, at the beck and call of synthetic hormones for the rest of my life. And, and, a, and a person that starts at 19 and, and goes until 60, that's $1.3 million that goes to pharma. There is not an entity or corporation that has ever sat and looked at a billion dollars and said, hmm, yeah, we're not going to go down that road. No, here's what they're saying. Listen, we're going to get protected because we're going to have the rainbow. We're going to have the unicorn farts and the glitter bombs to stand behind us. Anytime anybody says anything, just, you know, throw a unicorn fart, big it, big it, big it, big it. And then we have other people that are scared to lose their jobs. The only people that are bringing it forward are evangelicals and people like that. And unfortunately, as soon as an evangelical says LG, oh, ears closed. Um, it. So it's it's a perfect marketing scheme that they have. Yeah. So uh, we we want to we want to really focus on some of the issues with kids. And again, you know, just to be candid, you being on my show and and you basically saying, hey. One of your big issues was you just didn't accept yourself as a lesbian, et cetera, or even recognizing that, uh, say, roughly 80%, maybe a better figure of, of kids who identify as trans before puberty, if you just let them live normally, won't identify after, the majority may identify as gay. That we're, we're, not, we're not arguing that, disputing that whatsoever. We're, we're, we're talking about the area of commonality we have, but I assure you, that a whole lot of folks listening and viewing are going to have great compassion for you. And, and yeah, they will take the warning and run with it in the right way. But for you as an individual, they'll have compassion for you. And, and one of the things that, that we've always sought to model in the midst of our differences, you know, it's the agenda I've always dealt with and the people I've always tried to reach out to 
with care and with compassion. Uh, we've got a break coming up, but you mentioned your, your website. It is candid. It is salty. It is just laying everything out there again with science and with passion. So if they want to, if our folks want to follow what you're doing or get more information, what's the best place for them to go? Uh, probably my website. It's TRE Voices, Trey Voices. That sucker went from uh, 50 hits a month. Last month, we hit over 21,000 hits a month. And is that .org or .com? .org. .org. So trevoices.org. And if you want to read the initial article that to me is, is watershed in terms of where we stand today, uh, it is the name Scott Nugent, so N-E-W-G-E-N-T, we need balance when it comes to gender dysphoric kids, I would know. We're going to be right back and we're going to focus on what's happening with kids today. It's The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get on The Line of Fire by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Hey, friends. Welcome to The Line of Fire. I've got a very unique guest that I've come to know as a friend. Most folks know Kelly Nugent as Scott Nugent, but as we've got to know each other, I relate to Scott as Kelly, and we're, we're good with that. And it's, it's not misnaming or dead naming. It's, it's uh, two friends with a common cause in the midst of a whole lot of differences, but our common humanity and our common care, especially for kids, and our common opposition to a, a madness that's sweeping society that, that's hurting, destroying the lives of young people. And then they can't fix it. When they realize what happened, they can't fix it. That's what brings us together. The website to find out more is tretrevoices.org. Okay, reading from your article, uh, you say, here's what I could not comprehend before transitioning. So this was in your 40s as a woman transitioning to male. That's what you wanted to do. And what I honestly believe no child is capable of consenting to. And each link is a hyperlink in the Newsweek article means click on it and you get the documentation. Decreased life expectancy, increased risk of premature death from heart attacks and pulmonary embolisms, bone damage, possible liver damage, increased mental health complications, increased chances of mood syndrome syndromes, higher suicide rates than non-trans population, 12% higher chance than non-trans population to develop symptoms of psychosis, chance of stunted brain development, much reduced chance for lifelong sexual pleasure, higher chance of sterility and infertility, no improved mental health outcomes, not completely reversible. So how, how young are kids being encouraged now and parents being encouraged to put the kid on puberty blockers? And then what's the youngest that girls are getting full mastectomies? Um, the, the youngest that I have uh, come in contact with is, is 13. And again, it's in Texas. Texas is, is the hub. Greg uh, mm. Abbott has made it an absolute hub. All the transgender surgeons are going down there. So um, it's it's thirteen is is the early. So I got I got no, that, that's for a mastectomy, a full mastectomy. Yeah. So what what thirteen year old girl can possibly conceive of what that means? And then and what about how young are kids put on on puberty blockers? Puberty blockers, God, I mean nine, ten. I mean it's it's nuts what they're doing with that. There there's no long term study on those. We have no idea what's what's happening with them. You know, people in in Europe, like the UK, they did a a, a case and and it was hilarious. It wasn't hilarious, but the I love the judge. They were talking about puberty blockers with kids, right? And um, 
So the judge was like, okay, let's talk about peer review blockers. Uh, go ahead and let me see a study. And, you know, the other side threw a study down and she goes, uh, okay, this one's been retracted. Do you have another study? Yeah, we have that study. Okay, this one's been retracted. Okay, do you have another study? No, what about a study that says that, you know, it helps mental health? Here's a study. Oh yeah, this has been retracted too. And so the judge was like, uh, we're not gonna go there because basically it's a bunch of, nobody knows what we're doing to kids, nobody. Um, and and so th that is how they did that in the UK, how they, how they stopped uh, peer review blockers. Unfortunately here in the United States, people are making way, 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 way too much money on them. So, so you're saying that in your view and having been inside the industry as a, a victim, that uh, the way you were treated and the complications and the lack of warnings, et cetera, and the lack of care afterwards and the inability to sue, that you don't feel that this is primarily driven by compassion, but by greed? No, it's absolutely by greed. And here's, here's the kicker, Michael. You and I talk about this. You and I do not agree on, on homosexuality. Uh, you believe that conversion therapy works. I believe that, you know, if, if an adult doesn't want to live that life and they do want to go into conversion and feel, you know, learn how to live that life, that's great. I don't think that that internal, that internal flame ever changes. Um, and, but you had, you guys have fought for so long that it's, it's something that can be changed. It's mental health can change it. But unfortunately, society has, has realized that, that, you know, we don't agree on that. And it looks like you're not, you know, correct on that. Uh, on the percentage of people that that would come come out of that, but over on the trans side, what it tells us is that kids that have gender dysphoria are documented to have an 82% recovery rate with talk therapy. So exactly what you said about homosexuals 50 years ago is now happening on trans, and so now you guys are bringing that same narrative, and people are going. Yeah, we're not going to listen to you. This mm -hmm. is about love. And then we have this campaign of all, all these puberty blockers that are making money. And let me let me tie it to, to money a little bit. They did a study in, in uh, Europe, in, in UK. There was a 4,400% increase to kids that medically transitioned over like a seven-year period of time. 4,400% increase. Yep. Now, if nothing changed from when that came out, which means that if, if as many people that said that they were trans the year before in that seven years, if it just changed, it didn't grow, it didn't go down, you know, it just stayed. And then we, we did the population of Australia, we did the United States, we did Canada, and that's it. We don't do the whole world. Um, the average percentage of trans in our society would be 18 to 22% would be trans, transgender. Yeah. Now put on $1.3 million on everybody's head in a time when businesses, I mean, Netflix just went up $2 and they were emailing me about 12 times. Here's what you're getting for the $2 more. Thank you for the $2. I mean, they're all jumping up and down. We made $2. You know, that, that whole business uh, model is what everybody, everybody wants to know how much they're going to make everybody. Nobody wants somebody to buy a Red Bull. They want somebody to sign a piece of paper and get four Red Bulls a month. Right. Yep. So that's the that's the business agenda. So every child is 1.3 million in 20 years. If we don't do anything, 18 to 22 percent of the population is going to be trans. And here's the kicker: the only long-term study tells us it doesn't benefit anything. The truth about transgender medicine is this: 
in a very loving, loving, loving way. I've talked to a lot of transgender adults and it really makes me angry that they don't speak publicly, but it doesn't help very many. And I am, I am one for honesty. And I've talked to hundreds of trans and I know too that it saved their life or, or really enhanced their life. Most people that do it go, yeah, I was stupid. What are, you, what are you gonna do? This is embarrassing. Do you think, not think this is embarrassing me sitting in front of you going, I was 42 years old. Somebody said I could fit. I could be a straight and I bought it. Do you know how absolutely, absolutely embarrassing it is? Well, I have kids at the age that they're doing this to kids. You know, I made a promise to God or the universe, you know, when I passed out on the bathroom floor. I mean, that happened. I mean, I woke up in my own blood and urine and I just, I said, please, if you, if you let me be here for my kids, I promise I will scream as loud as I possibly can. And I thought it was just going to be about the surgery. But as I started to uncover things, I went, holy cannoli, this is huge. This is going to be like, people are going to sit back in a hundred years and go, how did people buy that, that yeah. medical transition? How, how did that happen? Yeah, so. exactly. That's, that's what I refer to as transanity, not the struggle that some kids go through or some adults go through and the agony of it, which I don't pretend to be able to relate to for a minute, but rather what's being done to kids or biological males sharing bathrooms with biological females or competing in sports or, or those things. You know, I, did, I didn't watch the Jazz Jennings stuff. I, I followed it just from a distance. But then you realize, okay, this is one of the most influential teenagers in America. And, and, the, and this kid, as the story's going on now, obese and suicidal in the past and depressed, you think, oh, well, how, how many did this years happen? Are we reality it? TV. Michael, how many years is, is jazz into it? Oh, jazz is, is it? at the seven to 10 year place. Okay. Uh, right? Already. I didn't realize it was that far along. Okay. Yeah. And, and she's going through what everybody goes through. And, and you go through, at, you know, at the end. And then you have a lot of people that, you know, try to detrans or people, you know, push them to detrans. Well, there's, could you imagine me detrans? I mean, I could not take another drop of testosterone the way I do not look feminine. I know my voice does sometimes, but what, what would I do? Spend my whole life in the grocery store going, it's ma'am, not sir. <laughs> you know, right, and at right. some point you have to just, you know, I just accept what I did and, and I'm, I'm moving on with it. But you're experiencing with Jazz the seven to 10 year suicide itch. And I hate that for her. I, her parents, I, I would like to have in a padded room just to slap the. Good job. You caught it. Good job. Good job. You know, because you, no human being has a right to choose this life for anybody. There's nothing life saving about medical transition. Medical transition, whether you like it or not, is plastic surgery. It's changing the way that you look. It, it's synthetic hormones to create an illusion. And you know what? If there's somebody that wants to create an illusion of something else, women do their hair, makeup. Look, you got a mustache on. You know, I mean, we all do things to make ourselves feel better. And if we just step back with reality and just say, you know what? You do you. If that makes you feel good, you do you. But leave my kids out of it. Uh, don't make me pay for, for it. Uh, you know, as far as insurance and stuff like that, is a cosmetic surgery. And until women are running down the street without their shirts on going, I was born with these, these saved my life. I just got breast augmentation. I know it's funny and it's, it's right on the line, but it's what's happening, Michael, is that people are telling people that, that medical transition is life-saving. No, it's not. 
it's cosmetic surgery. But here's what happened is we have created a business model for, for horrible doctors, for, you know, rainbow butcher doctors, doctors. We have governors like, you know, Abbott that are allowing them to come and taking money. We have all this money from pharmaceuticals coming in. And then what's the kicker? Try, we need to make it into a prescription. We need to make it into a place where you take my kids in and go, hey, my kid thinks they're born in the wrong body. Well, let me get you a prescription. Once they give you a prescription and they say it's life-saving, that you have to have it, what does that do, Michael? You know, there's been transgender people for, for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. But in the last five or seven years, something has happened. And what's happened? Yeah, well, there's, I mean, there's been the, the cultural shift. There's been the medical nope. shift. Go ahead. It's a prescription pad. Got it. There is a fix. There is a fix to something that is wrong. This is life-saving. You have to do this. If you don't do this, you're a bigot. The fact is, is that if it didn't make all this money, if, uh, you know, there's no way anybody in the world would be promoting this. The only reason why they're promoting it is because of money. And I'm not a conspiracy theory person, but I'm telling you, there are some real evil, evil. I know you'll connect with that evil, evil, evil people that, that are pushing this forward. Um, and they're taking, and here's the kicker. They're taking advantage of the kids that we're supposed to protect the most. Yeah. All these kids have comorbidities. All these kids have things in common. You know, probably grew up gay, autistic, uh, mentally gifted, uh, you know, musically gifted, um, mental illness. I know people don't want to say that, but I don't know of anybody that is, you know, perfectly sane. Yeah, Tell you what, let me, let me just jump in. We, we got to take a quick break here. And we come back, we'll, we'll talk more about this and, okay, what do you do if your kid identifies as trans? We will be right back. It's The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get on The Line of Fire by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Friends, I, I know you have been riveted to the radio, to your podcast, to your screen, as I speak with Scott Kelly Regent. Again, I, I've talked to other folks that identify as ex-trans or in some ways tried to get back to who they originally were. Well, you can't listen to them and all this, and they're all evangelical Christians or conservative Catholics or whatever. Well, what's your excuse for not listening to Scott Nugent, or as I know Scott, as Kelly? So back to comorbidities among kids. Just remember, if you're just tuning in, that we disagree, my guest and I, on many, many issues about homosexuality, Bible, God, etc. So this is not a fundamentalist, Bible-bashing Christian or Bible-thumping Christian that's speaking to you. Quite the contrary. So go ahead, please. So um, what we're finding is the, is the kids that are medically transitioning have um, a series of comorbidities. Growing up uh, to be homosexual, um, autistic for girls, autistic for boys, mentally gifted, uh, musically gifted, abused. Um, and the one that we don't want to talk about, which is, is mental illness. We have some of the craziest, craziest people right now running an agenda that are absolutely delusional. So we have all these, these comorbidities, right? And you have to ask yourself, 
how come is it, why is it that, that autistic girls are, are, are wanting to transition so much? Why is it that, that mm-hmm. you know, mentally ill people? And I, I received a photo the other day and I swear to God, I got that and I bawled. I mean, we're talking like tears hit the floor. It yeah. was a 15 year old girl that got her breast cut off and she had cutting scars all over her. Not oh. like, oh, I took a rate. And we're talking deep, deep, deep scars around her stomach and stuff. And so some doctors saw that and went, yeah, let's put her on hormones and really freak her out. And then let's give her more surgery because that's going to help. Let me just jump in. I heard from the mother of an 18 year old girl who's now identifying as male and just got a testosterone shot. She's 18 away from her parents now. She believes that she has multiple personality disorder. Self diagnosed herself after watching a TikTok video refers to herself as the system and all the other identities within her are the alter egos, the alters. And because some of the alters are male, she's not going to get sex change surgery, whatever. And a doctor gave this girl who was obviously troubled, gave her a testosterone shot. And the mother's flipping out, like, how could this happen? But you're, you're speaking of things even, even more radical. And, and it, it is, it's criminal. It is absolutely criminal. Go ahead. I'm yeah, sorry. A lot of kids are, are, are diagnosed with a borderline personality disorder. It seems like, you know, you have the ones that are, are mentally ill and the ones that are, uh, you know, grow up to be homosexual and all the way around, but there's some co- comorbidity about it um, from, from that angle. Most, most definitely. Um, Michael, I forgot the question you asked. Yeah. Okay. So no, 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 you, you, you were addressing comorbidities. Mm-hmm. I, I've been noticing, and we've been corresponding about this, that some well-known transgender activists, doctors, surgeons, etc., are now stepping back. I, I was on Tyra Banks like 10 years ago, and Marcy yeah. Bowers was on, and, and then uh, Kim, Kim Pearson, I think her name was, and advocating for, for trans change for kids, etc. And I kept saying, what's the test? What's the test? And I said, compassion. Where's the proof? Where's the proof? Yeah. So that was, you know, all the way back then. And of course, I'm the big white conservative Christian guy and all this. So I'm I'm the enemy. But I kept saying the compassion tells us to look deeper. There's got to be a better solution than what we're doing. And this is before we know everything that that you've pointed out that we now know as the years have gone on. And and I said, look, compassion wants to help somebody from the inside out. Well, in any case, Recently now, Dr. Bowers, who, who performed surgery for Jazz Jennings, and that, that had complications and, and issues, and another well-known transgender activist, uh, they've said, well, you know, we should, we probably shouldn't do this for kids, but, but you're directly involved with that. You're directly that involved. Irritates me, that irritates me. That irritates me. And here's why is they have come out with an article that basically said, yeah, we're not really for puberty blockers. But what people don't know was two weeks before they came out with this revelation, um, we we filmed a documentary. And within that documentary, basically, this is rumor, but it's basically got back to her and they hired a PR team and they looked at my videos and everything. And they said, you are you have got to get out in front of this. So it's not like she came know, out. You, dem- you demolished their, their I demolished, medical scientific I absolutely positions. demolished their unicorn farts and their glitter bombs is just, it's ridiculous. I spent my life in, in business sales. So debate and pulling down things, you know, is, is what I've done my entire life. You cannot talk to somebody about medically transitioning children that knows what they're talking about 
with an open mind and come away from it and say, yeah, I'm still for medically transitioning kids. I'm, I'm, you can't, you can't do it. The problem is, is that we need that 10 minutes. That 10 minutes is, is, uh, is basically not given because the LGBTQ, you know, what are they anymore? I mean, at some point, is somebody in those meetings going to stand up and say, hey, we've got enough sexual fetish flags. All right. Where's the more, where's, you know, being decent. You know, let's talk about helping people. I don't care if you like to have sex with your dog or you this. It's gross. The people that are, are, are leading the LGBTQ are infiltrating our school systems. LGBTQ has no business in our school systems, none whatsoever. And why people can't sit back and go, hey, that's kind of pedophilic, don't you think? We kicked religion out, which I think it needed to be kicked out. It's my responsibility to teach my kids what I want them to believe. It's their journey. It's my child. Don't talk to my kids about the LGBTQ. And on top of it, they make it into this fun rave party and they've started the queue, which is okay. So you're not attracted to the opposite sex. You could be queer too. Here's why it's a party. And, you know, we're, we're throwing these rainbow Skittles at them. You know, we're throwing these parties, having these drag, uh, you know, are you kidding? Of course, people are coming out trans. Of course, people are coming out this and they're kids. I mean, you, you, for me, if my child ever came out and said that they were gay or, 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 or trans, trans, I'd say, well, I don't have my button. Um, but gay, I would say, listen, you're a kid, right? Right now, you're a kid, right? Let's focus on that. You know, because that, you know, I know you don't realize, but things are going to change. Let's not close any doors. I would not be ecstatic or jumping up and down if my kids were homosexual. It's a hard life. It's, it's weird. It sucks to be on the outside. But we have to disengage instead of going, oh, you think you might be gay? What should we do? We probably should get you in a whole bunch of community. No, they're kids. We don't need to talk about sex with kids. Kids aren't supposed to be having sex. So why are we talking about it? And that's what's happening is, is that this is all starting from the inside out. And, you know, we throw trans onto being about a uh, human right. And we attach it to the LGBTQ and we have society that just reads headlines. And here we go. We are butchering 13 year olds. We have surgeons that can't conduct surgery and other places that are doing some of the hardest surgeries. The, the bottom surgeries are akin to uh, brain surgery, heart. Sur the most talented surgeons are called for in these. And what are we getting? We're getting the, the surgeons that do appendectomies that are terrible. And, you know, they're getting a little transgender surgery sign. They're putting it on the thing. They got people wrapped around the building and they're butchering people. They don't see what they're doing. That people that medically transition, probably 70% have PTSD because it's not this whole fairy tale that people think it is. It's hard. It's mentally, physically, and emotionally hard to transition. It's not a piece of cake. And when you go through it and you go far enough, you go, I have to finish it. And at the end you go, holy that didn't help anything. And that, whoa, now I got to deal with a whole bunch of other stuff. So PTSD, did you, did you know that most people that tr transition have some form of PTSD? Yeah. I, I mean, a, a friend of mine put out a, a website, sexchangeregret.com. And he's now in his, in his eighties. And, and I said, you know, are you going to stop? He goes, not, not, a, not as long as people keep writing to me with their stories. And, and I, I was speaking at a church and, and, and I tried this on the radio and then at a church that asked me to talk about sexual identity and trans issues, maybe about 6,000 people, a big church. And I read the story of a young lady in England 
And, and she said, okay, here I am. She said, when I was 15 and I went in, she said, they should have pushed back. I was a stubborn 15 year old. And I was told all, all my problems, right. Coming down to being trans. So I started reading her story. I've done this three times and I can't get through it without breaking down crying when she's saying, okay, I'm now whatever, 19 or 20 or, and you know, my voice is permanently lower and, mm -hmm. and I I'm probably never going to be able to have children and I'll never have normal sexual relations. And, and you think, She's just a kid still, a young adult. And this is She's being done in mass. Woman. Yeah, at, at a certain woman. point, like you said, we're going to wake up and say, what do we do? Dr. Paul McHugh, who's, who opposed transgender surgery when he was at Johns Hopkins years ago, and of course is considered transphobic and all that, himself in his 80s, probably Catholic. He said, look, if I'm wrong, then I will have been responsible for slowing down some of what happened or raising questions. He said, but what if the others are wrong and they've been butchering kids? I'm paraphrasing is who's going to sleep better at, at night. So, so listen, uh, you've said so much and I know it's been difficult for you. Uh, I mean, you're so passionate, but it's, it's so easy just to kind of fade away and not speak, but you made that promise. You care about your kids. You care about other kids, friends to follow more. Again, you'll get it blunt. You'll get it salty. T-R-E-Voices.org. And this is a voice that can't be ignored. A lot of people can ignore me because I'm transphobic, homophobic, Bible-thumping, evangelical, fundamentalist, hater, bigot, Nazi. And that's how I'm going to be branded. You're just an all-around horrible human being, Michael. Yeah, that's exactly. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a lot harder to ignore this voice. So we've been wanting to do this for some time. Uh, Kelly, I'm, I'm so glad for for you being you, and you're gonna get a lot of people praying for God's best for your life, for God's blessing, for God's mercy for, for you and, and those that you're close to. So thanks once more, we're out of time, but I really appreciate you coming on the broadcast. Thanks, Michael. All right, well, that's it, friends. We will be back with you in the meantime. Visit us at sbrown.org. Another program powered by the Truth Network.